success is really due to the effort of the individual. But we take this growth mindset and move it to the organizational level, and it really is a big predictor of how companies are responding effectively to digital disruption. Although all snowflakes are different, we've all heard, and all cultures are different, you know, organizational cultures, snowflakes actually exhibit a number of very common characteristics. They're six-sided, they're symmetrical. They have a number of underlying features that really define what they are. And just like that, there are a number of underlying features that define what digitally mature companies or what their cultures look like. I've often said that digital transformation is far more about will than it is about skill. I'm Paul Michaelman, and this is MIT Sloan Management Review's Three Big Points. In each episode, we take on one topic that leaders need to be on top of right now and leave you with three key takeaways for you and your organization. The ever-evolving threat of digital disruption has become one of the biggest issues in business, and the organizations and people today's guests studied spell this out. By and large, the biggest difference was the pace of doing business, uh, the pace of change. And that might not seem like you know, rocket science or news to anyone, but the problem is, is that the organizations, the way they're currently structured, aren't able to respond to that change quickly enough. That's Jerry Kane professor of information systems at Boston College, and co-author of the book, The Technology Fallacy, How People Are the Real Key to Digital Transformation. Kane's work looks closely at how companies, successful or otherwise, adapt to the new realities of the digital world. A lot of them, he found, get it wrong. So what we think of as the technology fallacy is this mistaken belief that many organizations and managers have that because the strategic challenges and problems they're facing are caused by digital technologies, that the solutions necessarily involve digital technologies as well. And in fact, many of the best examples and, and most effective examples, frankly, that we see that organizations do to respond to digital disruption are not technological at all. Kane points out that what really helps companies move forward in today's economy is implementing changes on the human side of the business. Whether that means a new org chart, new talent models, or adopting new leadership skills. Regardless of whether or not the company and its leadership recognize the technology fallacy, those who manage and make it through to the other side tend to have some things in common. Stanford's Carol Dweck's concept of fixed versus growth mindsets helped Kane here. Fixed mindsets are the belief that uh, talents are inherent to people and success or failure are largely due to environmental characteristics. The growth mindset, in contrast, is the belief that skills and success are a result of hard work and success is really due to the effort of the individual. Well, we take this growth mindset and move it to the organizational level, and it really is a big predictor of how companies are responding effectively to digital disruption. Kane found key differentiators in how digital transformation was tackled depending on where the company was in its journey. Early stage companies, the way that they drive digital change is really mandating it from the management. The boss from on high says we're going to do this and employees are expected to fall in line. That doesn't work really well because employees can find all sorts of excuses not to change and simply have the boss saying we're going to do this doesn't always get the company where they want to go. 
Developing companies actually do it slightly differently. They implement the technologies and then just expect employees to adopt. It's sort of the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. This also doesn't work really well because usually what happens is they implement these technologies and expect employees to do new digital things on top of their existing job responsibilities. However, what they do is they focus on developing this culture as a means of driving change because they find if they're organized differently, if their cross-functional teams have greater decision-making authority, they're more able to be agile. If you have certain level of risk-taking and experimentation, you're more likely to innovate and come up with new initiatives and efforts. You've heard it before. Culture, culture, culture. And you're hearing it again now. Here's why. In the battle against digital disruption, culture is the difference maker. We see some great examples like Salesforce in the tech industry. Salesforce spends um, an inordinate amount of time reinforcing their company culture. And when you go to Salesforce, which I've had the privilege to do, that culture comes through loud and clear. Contrast that to Uber, which, you know, arguably, as, as I've interviewed people with Uber, a lot of their struggles um, were because they didn't pay attention to their culture and they didn't emphasize their cultural values. But this isn't just a phenomenon in the tech industry. We've had a number of great examples in our research from Walmart to MetLife to John Hancock of very traditional established companies that are making conscious efforts to move their culture in this direction. So what does this all mean for you and your company? What can you do to avoid the technology fallacy and safely glide into the digital era? Well, I think you know where Kane will tell you to start. I often recommend that uh, companies start with their culture. And actually what we found was there was one single set of cultural characteristics that really defined these digitally mature companies. And they were things like uh, agility, uh, being more experimental, engaged in continuous learning, recognizing and rewarding collaboration, accepting risk of failure and organizing around cross-functional teams. And so when companies come to me and say, where do we start with digital? You know, I can't tell them what technologies to adapt. I can't tell them what their strategy should be because that's going to differ by company. What doesn't differ by company is the need to cultivate these cultural characteristics. And those are a huge driver of digital maturity. The example or metaphor we use in the book is that of a snowflake. And although all snowflakes are different, we've all heard, and all cultures are different, you know, organizational cultures, snowflakes actually exhibit a number of very common characteristics. They're six-sided. They're symmetrical. They have a number of underlying features that really define what they are. And just like that, there are a number of underlying features that define what digitally mature companies or what their cultures look like. Look, any change is easier said than done, and the kind of transformation the digital economy requires isn't for the faint of heart. What leaders need to understand and to really embrace is that this is not a choice. It's a matter of survival. We could be facing a rich-get-richer scenario that as this virtuous cycle kicks in, digitally mature companies begin to pull away from their counterparts. The flip side of it, however, is this virtuous cycle can also benefit companies that are behind. The biggest challenge is often getting started, and once you can get these cultural aspects into place, oftentimes it begins to drive more change as this virtuous cycle kicks in. I've often said that digital transformation is far more about will than it is about skill. 
That's Jerry Kane, author of the book The Technology Fallacy and a regular contributor to MIT Sloan Management Review. Okay, let's bring this one home. Three big points about surviving digital disruption. Number one, it's the culture, stupid. Begin here. Digitally mature companies have a distinctive culture. Number two, put your time and your money where your mouth is. The payoff on culture is real. Digitally mature companies are more likely to invest in cultivating this culture in terms of time and energy. And number three, it's not just about creating a new culture, you also need to weaponize your culture to drive further change. Digitally mature companies use the culture to further drive adoption and innovation. And that's this week's Three Big Points. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever fine podcasts are streamed. We will be forever in your debt if you take a moment to rate our program or post a review on Apple Podcasts. Three Big Points is produced by Mary Dew, music by Matt Reed, marketing and audience development by Desiree Barry. Our coordinating producer is Mackenzie Wise. Three Big Points is made possible thanks to the generous support of Cloudera. Special thanks to Deborah Gallagher, Lauren Rosano, Jennifer Martin, Richard Marks, Michael Barrett, Jeanette Ramos, and Katrina Van Berkham for all they do to make this show possible.